Hey everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio. We're super excited to welcome multi-instrumentalist and composer Matt Dorsey on the show today. He's joining us because he's got a new album coming out. It's coming out in April, so watch for it. It's called Let Go. And I love the title and I love the title track. So welcome, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you today? Hey. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm swimming in water behind me, but, you know, no one knows that, even though it's winter, it feels like I'm in a tropical island. But, you know, that's a thing. I was thinking about that. We always do different backgrounds because we're always in a different place because we travel full time. But there's something about your album that allows you to have that. Um, it's let go. I think that's a it's a hard concept for us to just let go as human beings of anything. We're very like, let's grab. And maybe that's why we have fingers. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the title track and the, you know, why Let Go? Uh, let Go is the title track. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's the result of uh, my studies. I say my studies. I've read some stuff about Buddhism. I'm no expert, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm drawn towards uh, Eastern philosophies. And, uh, you know, the, one of the central things about Buddhism is just not attaching to things. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you attach to things, the more suffering you will suffer. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, it's it's a very difficult concept for, I think, the Western mind to wrap its head around. But um, I found there's, there's some truth to it. <clears throat> uh, the more you just sort of let go, let the river take you where it will, um, the calmer your, your life is, the... the uh, the less stress you feel. Um, really, that's just it. You know, you just, you let life happen, you know, and that's contrary to everything we're taught growing up. You know, you're supposed to really, you know, hammer ahead and have a good Hey, by 40, you need to have an IRA plan and all that, right? That's right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, you know? No, no. I, but I've, I've found, uh, you know, life is a river and, and I just float. Mm. you know the river will take you to beautiful places if you let it and it's when you fight the tide that you suffer Mm. you fight the flow when you decide you know i want to be there and you really really struggle to get there or you could just let the river take you to someplace else which is probably more beautiful probably more wonderful and you just Mm. ultimately is just have faith in the flow of things um and uh it leads in my estimation uh, to a uh, stronger sense of peace and happiness. Mm. I, you know, Jim Morrison wrote something like that. Um, the river told me. I don't know if you've heard that. Um, I haven't. Or I, oh, my, I just, I, I never yeah, know the titles. Free fall, flow, let it flow. On and on we go. Breathe underwater till the end. Oh, well, yes, the river knows. That's what it's called. Oh, really? The river knows. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I think it's, I mean, we travel full time. We, we we're such minimalists, and we've right. learned that that is the way to go because you can handle any kind of crap that comes in the world better when you're you don't have things to hold on to. The more you're holding on, yeah. the harder it is to deal with any kind of struggle that comes in your path. And struggles happen, and doesn't mean that we don't get to you know not let go. You can you can have a good fight, but fight for what's. You got to fight for what's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. I mean, yeah, even if you do let the river take you and you're just sort of floating, you still have to work to stay afloat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's a better, 
it's like, yeah, it's, I, I call it being one with the universe. That's why nature to me is the, the ultimate goddess. You know, she's like everything. And well, if you exactly don't take, take time, you're, you're screwed. You know? Yeah. Uh, have you heard the, uh, are you, a, are you a pantheist? Am I a what? A pantheist. A pantheist I don't is, know. A pantheist is one who believes that God and the universe are identical. They're the same. Oh, thing. maybe God I am then. God Ooh. didn't make the universe. God actually is the universe. And, mm -hmm. and you know, the flow of time and history is God being God. You know, the laws Ooh. of nature are the will of God. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm that then. Huh. Pantheism is a very old idea. Well, apparently I I wasn't that old. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't come back and reincarnate, but... I like that because, you know, I had a conversation once with a Mennonite about this. Oh, yeah. And, and I was like, hey, you know, you guys are doing this and you're doing that. But we were actually were in, in his garden and they were going through some crop disease. I know this sounds weird. You're supposed to, we're supposed to be talking about music, not crops. But <laughs> they had a fungus going on. We were talking about diversification of plants and right. all of that. And then, I don't know, we ended, it was a tourism thing, believe it or not, but of course, none of us behave what we're supposed to say and do. We're supposed to eat pie and shut up and go and go, look, this is a delicious apple pie. But then we had the apple pie and then we start talking and, and I remember the tourism guy taking us around going, oh my God, these two are talking religion with the Mennonite dude. And his face almost fell to the floor and I'm going, why not? Why and not? he was sitting there telling me, I'm like going, well, Mother Nature to me is like everything. Right. And he's like, well, God made Mother Nature. And then we looked at each other. We're like, okay, well, let's talk about what we can talk about because we're not going to agree on that part. Exactly. But I think what you just told me is pretty cool. Pantheist. Yeah. Hmm. Right. I like that. I like that. So the thing too with, with your music, okay. I love the whole album and it does flow really good. And that's something always a big deal, but compromise. Tell me about that song because that was one that really stood out for me. And then waiting for the fall, mm -hmm. it goes to what we were talking about. There was this line that I wrote down, free myself to believe in myself. Mm -hmm. That's some strong wording. Yeah. Well, uh, Waiting for the fall. You, had got, you went from compromise to that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the, the album is kind of, it's pretty diverse. It's all over the place. Um, and I, but it flows. My feeling is that, you know, life is about many, many things, and your art should reflect that, you know? I mean, you, you listen to some albums, and I'm not dismissing anything here, but you listen to a lot of albums, and every song is angry. Everyone is the same feel and, you know, mood. But that's not what life is. Life is beauty and disappointment and and uh, excitement and joy and bitterness and all of it. Um, so, you know, it is a diverse album, but I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Some would say it is because you're supposed to have some sort of cohesive, you know, theme. Um, to, to I don't know. I've, I liked it. I, I mean, it's listening good. to it, just going through it, I'm like, oh, each one. Because it's true, if you get you can't overflow, right? You don't want to have the same rush of sound where it's the same waterfall. Right. Mm -hmm. The waterfall has to dry up a little bit for a different sound. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have. And it, daily life, if your daily life is the same routine over and over with no change, all right, well, I'm done. Right. Yeah. 
And that, you know, yeah. that's fine for some people. Uh, but, uh, you know, for artists in particular, you know, we do like, <laughs> we like new things all the time. So in any case, uh, Waiting for the Fall is about uh, sort of facing the challenges of, of perpetual failure, really wanting to move forward, really feeling like you're getting somewhere, and then just having the rug pulled every single time to the point where you start anticipating that fall. You know, you start to feel like, okay, this is working, this is going well, but okay, you know, now what? Where, where's, where's the, where's the, where's the, um, you know, the thing that's going to make, that's going to trip me up. And that's kind of sort of what it is. Um, you know, the music industry, although the song isn't necessarily strictly about it, but it's a good example of that. Now, the music industry will disappoint you every time. Every time you get kicked in the gut, you know? It's so disappointing. You try. You really get hopeful. really get uh, excited about the stuff that you're working on. And then, you know, things fall apart for, you know, every reason under the sun. And like I said, it's not just music, but it is a good example of that. Um, it's it's frustrating. Um, that's why I wrote a song about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're really right about it because, I mean, that's just life too, right? I yeah. mean, the industry oh, yeah. has changed. Yeah. I mean, when I, I think about what careers were there when I graduated high school to what they are now are two different things. Sure. And I think about, you know, like our business is uh, we, magazine people. We were back. I mean, I was working in this industry as a teenager, cutting and pasting. Wow. So now, yes, now I feel really old, but I'm not that old. You know what I mean? So it's like, how did we go from here? And, and, and to watch our industry just go, screw you. Right. We're not doing this anymore. And my mom, who's, you know, co-owner of everything with me, she said, that's it. No more printing. And I'm like, what do you mean? I always wanted the printing press. I wanted the whiskey and the cigar. Not that I even know how to smoke cigars, but I'll drink the whiskey and put my feet up on the table and go look at my press. That whole vision, because women were never seen doing that. Mm. I wanted to be one of those and right. not necessarily with the feet on the desk, but just really like we needed to have women in that force. Mm -hmm. that knew how to do it and then the industry said screw you uh like across the board but we got out in time while everybody else kept trying when it was like you're beating your head against the wall and she's like we're doing so much better on the website we've got millions of people we need to do this that's and fighting then, here it is. That's, that's fighting against the flow of the river right right exactly see and so you some it's like oh yeah. it's about perspective mm -hmm. yeah and look at where you are now. I mean, aren't you in a good spot? Right now we are in Durham, North Carolina with two little dogs that we're taken care of and a little creek full of frogs. Now, so spring is here. So to me, I'm like, I haven't heard frogs for so long that it's the best thing on the planet. Oh, that's awesome. Right on. Cool. So that's joy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You get to have things like that. So, and yes, uh, magazine wise, now we have like what? a whole bunch of digital magazines and better readership than ever, blah, blah, blah. Right. So isn't that kind of with the music industry too? Hmm? Uh, that's just stuff you wouldn't have even thought of, you know, 10 years ago. And here you are, you know, the river brought you to all this other cool stuff. So, and for music, is it the same way in regards to now you're streaming, talk about rivers, right? 
mm-hmm. people, you know, you can have tens, hundreds, thousands people streaming your music than the physical copies. But don't you want those physical copies there too in the vinyl, in that experience? Well, yeah. And it seems like it's, I don't know, I don't want to say it's dying out, you know, especially with vinyl on the resurgence here, but um, it seems like that's the direction of things. You know, ultimately, we're probably all going to be listening to music forevermore, you know, without a product in our hand. You know, it's just all going to be streaming, probably directly into our brains at some point. <laughs> if we had a music, I'll, I'll accept the music chip. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if we're going to get a chip implanted us when we're born, I want the music chip. I'm okay with that. But for you right know? now, yes, I, I do want product. I do want something to to give to people at, at shows. Um, and uh, yeah. I want the vinyl too. You yeah. know, being on the road full time, I would do anything for a, like, I keep the car that we have. Other, other than the fact is I don't believe in getting getting rid of by the way you just caused a rainstorm i just want you to know you kept talking about water and the rain just started but um no it's a good thing when you're driving you have i have a cd player in my car so i don't want to get rid of the car even though it's got hundreds of thousands of miles because it has a cd player and it only it jams once in a while but i'm like come on baby you can do it but it's just because it's got a cd player so like that's how sick i am but can you imagine like having vinyl in your car Oh, that'd be cool. I want that. Yeah. Have you? Are you going to do vinyl? Are you going to do a CD? What's, what's we are talking about it. You know, if we do well enough with the with the CD and the downloads, then yeah, we'll talk about it. It takes like half a year to get that kind of thing produced. Um, and uh, at this stage of the game, it's just too early to make an investment like that before we know how well we're we're doing. You know, I'm already well, doing I'm- pretty well with pre-sales, and I'm expanding oh. my, my fan base. Uh, you know, better than I was expecting. So it's likely, uh, but it's still too early to tell. Well, I want people to know, like your your background in music is epic. It's you know you're 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 a badass in everything you do. But it's you you bass, you know, you're writing songs, you got guitar, everything. Um, mm-hmm. So this is your debut album, right? Which and yeah. I'm listening to this, going, what do you mean it's his debut album? Like you know, it's it's great. But uh, you've got you know Dave Kersner, you played with him, right? Um, and his oh, yeah. bands. He's been on. He was on our show. Right before the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Right before that happened. And um, he's, oh, he's fantastic. And then the uh, Andrew Coll- Collier was on our show. And then and oh, you cool. play with him too, right? Yeah, I did some work and- with Line on their first album. I played bass and I actually mixed that album. And then I played some guitar on the second album. And we're talking about co-writing some of the songs on the third. Oh, very cool. And then Beth Hart. Can't say that that's was my we... first professional gig, and that's the whole reason Dude. I moved from Boston to Los Angeles. I remember uh, I called a friend of mine who was in New York City um, when I was back in Boston selling cars, and I said, "Man, you know anybody who needs a bass player?" He goes, "You know what? I think I do." And you know, we hang up, and and I get a call a week later from from Beth Hart asking if I could come out for an audition. And I was like, "Of course, of course." First, she asked me to send her a tape of my stuff. I sent her a tape and she's like, sounds great. Come on out. So I flew out to L.A. and, uh, you know, I never went back. I got the gig, Dude. which only lasted for about six months. Uh, you know, ran into some some issues. <clears throat> uh, and uh, the tour ended. Um, but I was like, I'm not going home. I'm not going back to Boston. I'm not going back to the cold. I mean, I love Boston. I love, you know, New England. 
and I miss my friends and certainly my brothers who are both mm. still up there with their their families. But uh, yeah, as soon as I got off the plane in California, I felt at home. It's just, you know. Did you tour with her? Yeah, for about half a so year. So was that getting your feet wet for touring with it her? Was. Yeah, it sure was. Um, that was my first tour. It was on a 33-foot RV. <laughs> not you know, oh my god not a real uh, tour bus but my god the memories we made uh it's just priceless really yeah and, and she's she's crazy I, she's crazy I, good like she's crazy like you know what i mean like yeah she's watching her performance and she, you know i'm not saying anything like against her she'll no, tell you no, the no. on the stage she'll tell you how crazy she is you know she has no no it's it's and alcohol and you know Okay. Quick story. When I got off the plane, she was there to pick me up at the airport. And she was in one of those, uh, like, back then it was a newly remodeled Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, yeah. And it had, like, flower stickers all over it. And I get in the car, and there's dead flowers all over the dashboard. Beth is sitting there in the driver's seat, and it's a stick shift. And she's got a dog on her lap. She's got a bird on her shoulder. She's got a cup of coffee, a cigarette, and a cell phone. And she's driving faster than anyone I've ever in a stick and most people don't even know how to drive a stick anymore man I was like what did I get myself into <laughs> dude dude yeah. that's kind of a Janis Joplin thing too right back in the day when she, she had a it, I used to play with a drummer uh Willie Kellogg out of, he was out in LA and San Diego uh drummer his past since and um he we he was um drummer for Flying Breeder Brothers and Canned Heat and Moby Grape and all those guys. And so <laughs> we used to live up in the mountains in San Diego and Julian. And he'd come up in his little VW. This, this, he had this from the 70s, I swear to God. He'd drive up and one day he went down the ditch and his radio, because his radio went flying down because he had this his tape deck of, he would, you're talking about Eastern music. He'd bring me Sufi music and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And we'd listen and he'd play the djembe and we'd just riff on all these harmonies and all kinds of, I don't know. Anyway, we had a good time. That's all I can say. And he went out of the cabin and that went down. So I don't know what he did, but maybe he had a little bit too much weed that night. But suddenly the VW was down there too. Anyway, we got him out. But he would sit there and you talk about my mom. She'd go, he'd go, Nancy doesn't need anything. She's the butterfly woman. She can see all the colors in the sky. And I'm like, dude, you know, but he's wow. passive. But that's more like LSD than weed. Well, he was a little dude from Texas, you know, half Mexican, and um, he stabbed the uh, guitarist, Joel Scott Hills, also Ken, he, like, did his, you know, everybody kind of changes out in those bands, and sure. and Joel got, he was really, the drug stories are crazy with him, and I put on this concert up in the mountain town to raise money for a musician, kids learning music. Oh, cool. And then they came up in the same car and then Joel was high. And then so Willie stabbed him. He had this little walking stick. Because he was little. He was a little dude. He looked like a little munchkin. Like, I mean, I'm in a happy way. Like, you know, like he looked more Irish than he did who he was. And and he, he says, I stabbed the devil. I stabbed him. And he had a little walking stick. He opened up halfway and there was a little knife. And Joel apparently was an idiot in the truck on the way up. And so he stabbed Joel. And then we did a show and it was badass. <laughs> it was, it was fun times. You know, when you first said that, he stabbed him. I was like, is that really what she just said? He stabbed him. 
he's dead the devil is what he said and now they're both dead but that sucks so i can tell the story but wow. um yeah the vw's when i see vw's man i mean that they were all over south africa and kenya mm -hmm. when i grew up that those were like when i see and then they made those other you said you sold cars but what, what yeah, were you I selling saturns i was selling saturns for a few oh. years like i think 98 99 2000 <clears throat> way back when Saturns was a cool company, but, you know, you didn't make too much money because they didn't haggle on the price. And, you know, so we weren't dicking our, our customers to put money in our own pockets like a lot of these uh, car salesmen do these, you know. How, I sold cars for a, a month. When oh, yeah. we got when we got we got back to this country from South Africa and started up the magazine. Pre that, I was, we were both saying we're not doing the magazine industry again. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. That didn't last long. We, then we moved to Mexico and then came back over to California. And um, I went and sold cars for Toyota. I was so bored. Yeah. People could come up and go, is this a V6 or V8? And I'm like, well, why don't you open the hood and see for yourself? Because right now I'm playing air guitar. I'm so bored. I can get it down. So, you know what I mean? But those are Not those jobs. It's but it, it, no, it wasn't. And, and, and I know sales and everything, but mm. it was just so boring if you can't be proactive. Yeah, and you have you, know? to, you really do. Like I remember, and that wasn't proactive. It was you had to stand on the lot all day. So what would yeah. I mean? Did you play air guitar too? Like when you were waiting for people to get on the lot? Yeah, you know that's. I don't think I ever did bring my guitar to work. It wouldn't have been a bad idea, but probably frowned upon professionally. Um, and then you have to yeah. give someone a test drive. It's like let me serenade you. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but that's interesting you did car sales so that's but did that teach you about audience connection in any way what it taught me was uh that if you're doing something that you're not passionate about get the hell out <laughs> and that, yeah. that, that, that led to my call to my friend that changed my life you know i called him twice uh once was for the beth Hart gig you know i didn't ask i, I didn't ask for beth i just said do you know anybody and you just happened to know she was looking for somebody at the time Interesting enough, uh, before we move on from Beth, she hired me without telling her manager and there was no budget for me for the first couple of weeks. So wow. I was basically playing for like 50 bucks a week. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That doesn't get you anything. No, but I, you know, I wouldn't trade it, right? Mm, right, I, I know. It's, it's I was paid in memories, in great memories. Uh, but the second time I called my friend, his name is Tommy Benedictus. He's a uh, radio promoter in New York City. I think he's at Sony Red right now. Uh, he's, you know, he's doing great. Um, I called him when I heard that Phil Collins' son was putting together a band to promote Simon, his yeah. album. And so he managed to call, you know, the right people and get me an audition. So I flew up to Vancouver and got that gig. And that led to Sound of Contact, which Simon, Dave Kirshner, Kelly mm -hmm. and I formed after that that campaign and you know you made the call see that's kind of where i feel it's really important like you go with life but if it's you know that whole thing about knocking your head against the wall mm -hmm. you could be doing that or you could be calling making the calls that you want that open the door mm -hmm. and when the doors open it's so much easier in life for sure you know and but you you can't just get in the river and not participate no, you have to absolutely have to participate. Uh, you know, these two examples are, uh, you know, they taught me so much that you have to ask the question. If you never mm -hmm. ask the question, you won't get the answer. You would 
you know, you just you always wonder. You have to ask. That's that's why I go back to that lyric, free myself to believe in myself. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like you have to, we grip on things so much that we forget who we are that you have to let go to see yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like almost like seeing yourself from outside. You have to get outside your body. Man, that's so important, you know, and, you know, I'm not advocating for uh, drug use, but I, one thing that I have noticed from, you know, smoking weed and you know, I did dabble with LSD back as a teenager in early 20s is that's what it provided, you know, other than, you know, just the usual rec recreational fun, is it, it, it allowed you to see not just yourself, but reality from a different perspective. Mm. And whether or not that perspective was, was, you know, accurate, the fact that it was a different perspective shatters your belief in your own perspective. It allows you to, to rethink everything, right? Up, up until that point, you just accept, you know. Mm -hmm. I like to say that you don't know what your house looks like until you leave it and turn around and take a look. Mm -hmm. I think our, our our psyche is the same. You need to get out of it, however you can, you know, whether it's through, you know, yoga, uh, meditation, uh, smoking a little weed. I'm not advocating anyone do any of that kind of stuff if they're not into it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it's traveling. It's I mean, to, to, to realize that get out of your comfort zone. Walking around with is, is you know, it's 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 worthy of of, of uh, questioning. It, you got to get out of your you got to get out of your rhythm mm -hmm. to find a new rhythm. Otherwise, you're stuck in the same rhythm, right? And if you look at music, mm -hmm. I mean, if we didn't have all these rhythm makers like Bo Diddley and stuff, like where the hell would we be? You know. And as bass player, I think that's it's key that you, you you bass because I think bass brings it all down to the simplistics and it is the unity of, obviously, I always say the drums and the bass are the foundation and they are of the band, right? And you can, I sometimes people say, oh, okay, we're not going to have a drummer, we're just going to have a bass player. I'm like, you could do that, take away the bass player and only have a drummer, you're screwed unless you have a really good keyboardist or really, you know what I mean? You. Or, you know, you've got to have someone with solid keys, not twinkly toes up there, but like, you know what I mean? you got to have some yeah. bass. But bass, I always wonder about writing on bass because writing music, when you have that bass, I was say bass mentality, and that sounds so wrong, but I don't mean it that way. No. It keeps it down, simplistic, real, something tangible mm -hmm. that you can go off of and music that's really good, and I wanted to ask you about that too, being prog rock, is that it's supposed to take you on a journey and transport, just like if you're, you know, smoking a joint and whatever. It, it meditation, all of that. You, I don't know if prog rock to me has still got a little bit of psychedelic stuff going on in there, right? I I don't mind when there is. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, element. I do. Um, but you got to have the bass. Well, bass is, it's, it's primary. It's, it's really the backbone mm, of, of the right. song, I think, you know, and everything's sort of built around the bass line. It's easily overlooked, but you can certainly feel it when it's not there. You know, that was, a, it was the first instrument I learned how to play. Um, my mm. dad was a piano player. My brother was a drummer for a while, a couple of years. And my younger brother got a guitar for Christmas one year. I was 14 and I turned 15 in January. I said, dad, all we need is a bass and we've got a whole band. So 
January 15, he brought me to Daddy's Junky Music Store and he bought me my first bass and uh, amplifier and immediately started practicing, uh, playing all of my uh, favorite albums, all of which were The Police. <laughs> I was listening to like, oh, all, wow. the, all the Police albums. And so I sat there and I just listened and learned all the Police uh, records, which is... Well, that's uh, bass-driven though, too. I it mean, is, and it's, it's funny because uh, from what I understand, you know, obviously I'm a big Sting fan, being a police fan, uh, he wrote a lot of his stuff just playing bass and singing his melodies over that. Um, I don't do that that much, to be honest with you. I find it uh, much easier to write a song on guitar or keyboard. Um, but it's it's funny because I was really influenced by Sting, and that's how he wrote a lot of his stuff. I, I think that it's in you whether or not you're writing it. What, what on a guitar or bass or a piano once oh, you have sure. that under, that's what I meant about men, the bass mentality bass soul I should say like the soul of the bass yeah. because here's the, it's like you're putting down the root and then allowing the plant to grow up and out exactly yeah it's it's yeah. a solid it's a solid foundation uh, against which everything else can be measured right Mm. Um, you can have a note just floating in the air and you don't know if it's major or minor unless it's in relation to your root note right so, I like that. Yeah, um, it's like it's like a little bee. It's got to go to its flower. That's right. I know. Sorry, I'm tripping out now, and I'm not. I'm not doing anything, man. I'm just sitting here <laughs> talking to you, and I'm like, all right, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just seeing bees and flowers. It's all good with me, it. and I'm supposed to be in the ocean, you know. But it's all good. <laughs> but but you know, and I, it just that's the thing about music is transportation, and a good album. And listening to this, you've got some other cultural vibes in there to me listening to like i was talking about willie like the drummer he would, he would just sit there with the jam and he'd like slow it down lisa go back here and like use your african race because they grew up in africa and i'm like go okay go back to those soul things and he actually could identify tribal music that i grew up with and i didn't know what the hell it was i just grew up with it you know what i mean and he'd go like no this is this rhythm and that and but it was this, um, and I, I, listening to that, and Dave Kersner has that in his music. He has a song, Hello, My Old Friend, I play oh, a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that has something in there that just kind of tweaks me back to, not tweaks and drugs, Jesus. But kind of, you know what I mean? Kind of, I don't know, just that it has that vibe of like my growing up. And everybody mm -hmm. has a different thing on their music. So I don't want to put my stuff on your your album, but that's the beauty of what you, you know, you just start to resonate. And I think really good albums and yours is, gives you this tactile feel and has an earthiness to it. And mm -hmm. prog rock, a lot of times, I hate to say, loses earthiness. Yeah, I, you know, prog can go too far in certain directions, in my opinion. Um, you know, everyone has their own tastes. Right. But, uh, you know, I don't consider this album prog proper you know it's got some prog influences but it's more rock pop prog you know what i mean <clears throat> it's it's uh i think a bit more mainstream than a lot of the prog that you that you, you hear out there <clears throat> but uh i think it's a blend i like to call it progressive pop rock you said blend i did since we're a big blend radio we're happy with that <laughs> everything's connected right it's all connected it is all connected so it is. So so when did you start writing this? I mean, was there a certain song? What, what was the whole catalyst of it's time to do this? You know, because you're playing in so many different bands and projects. I know. Well, this has been sort of 
the goal for the last 30 years, honestly. And you know, awesome combination of, of insecurities and fears and doubts and, you know, life getting in the way and just, you know, getting distracted, being lazy, <laughs> you know, what? there's so many factors that go into why it's taken so long. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I, I always wanted to release an album, but I never really felt like, okay, you got to do it now. Like you have to do it or it's going to be too late. I just knew it would happen when it happened. I didn't expect it to take this long, but you know, certain things happened over the last year that made it just the right moment. And mm. it, it, it just sort of, it happened. Oh, you know? I think it's, that's how things are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're like, oh, you got to push yourself to do this. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, again, then you're beating your head against the wall, right? Instead of the river. Mm -hmm. it, going back to the river, man. Yep. Now I'm going to have, yeah, I like the river. I want to go back in there. Can we talk a little bit about Dangerous? Because mm -hmm. that's an interesting song to go, okay, now you've done all this. Now, boom. <laughs> so it's like you, you kind of put us at this point at the end of the al album going, Oh shit, I've got to jump off the deep end now. There's a waterfall. Let's go. Do we do it or do we try to go upstream? Where do we go? Like Well, Dangerous is the last song that I've I ever wrote. Um, I mean, I'm working on other stuff right now, but nothing's finished. That one is the last one that I completed like late mid last year. Um, and it just came together in a couple of uh, sessions. And I had this sort of riff going on and I had this melody. And I hit record through a, a microphone, and these words just sort of came out, you know. And that's how I write. You know, I usually just sing nonsense syllables, just so I get the melody on tape, uh, and then listen back. And those nonsense syllables sort of sometimes, you know, uh, suggest a word or a phrase, and then then it goes from there. I build it from there. I'm not much of a poet, and I don't just sit down and say, "Okay, I'm going to write a song about love," or "I'm going to write a song about this or that." It all just sort of evolves as I write, and it's lyrics are always the last thing that I do. Um, but uh, you know, I find it a very lighthearted song. You know, it's not a very serious song. It's just kind of a goofy love song. But you are going to jump off the waterfall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's two people who are like right on the edge. You know, their their uh, mm -hmm. boundaries are have met, and they're looking down the boundary line, uh, and. Uh, they're wondering, you know, it, are we are we going to jump in together? Is this is this is this for real? And the excitement of that moment is really what the song is all about. And, you know, I felt like it was a good last song because it is lighthearted, perfect, uh, melodic, and I think that the song, you know, the album is is it's pretty it's dense and you know, in I, I felt like it was a good way to it's like dessert at the end of the meal. <laughs> yeah, but it does give you that excitement of what's next, and that's what you want. Sometimes albums just like, here's the finale and now it's ended. And you're like, all right, now what? You know, whereas this is now what, but like, now what? You know okay. what I mean? Okay, well, I'm glad that that's your reaction. Um, yeah, to me, that to me is like, okay, do we go for it? Like, where, you know, so you have that little bit of that moment, like you're talking about. That's why I said to you, it's like, you're either going to swim upstream or you're going to do the jump. And that's the thing, that little moment, you know? I think it's cool. I like dangerous because you've got to embrace the fear of life. For sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, going fear. on stage, do you ever get scared? I haven't yet gone on stage without feeling 
you know, pretty significant anxiety. It's gotten better over the years, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very shy. I'm very self-conscious. Um, I don't like the spotlight. I don't like being in uh, a situation where I'm the center of attention. I really have never liked that. I've always, you know, been a wallflower, shunned uh, any sort of attention grabbing. Um, but in the end, I have to honor this art mm. that I have and that I want to share. Um, I and think in I, every craft, we have to add the fear at some place. Mm -hmm. In any craft that we all do, yeah. whether it's somebody, you know, working day labor or something, then having to go up and say, hey, I need to progress to this level and I need a raise or whatever it is. There's fear, no matter whose life, whatever our path is, there's that fear. And that's why I think performance is so interesting because in the arts, it's it's still solitary. Even though in musicians, like we're all connected in that moment, getting up on stage, like I could sing, don't ask me to talk to the audience. Can't talk to the audience. Right? Right down. Yeah, but look what I do. Like. <laughs> Until I started talking absolute horseshit right. to the audience, like telling people, like acting like we were in a supermarket to go run down this aisle, we're playing like grocery games and shit. Like then, <laughs> then I could do it. And but if I had to like just go like, and now we're going to play this, song, I can't do that. So I I felt so weird and not me that I couldn't right. do it until I got artificial. stupid. Right. Yeah, artificial. And then we played on some military base. And we had this camo covering. Yeah. And we had this camo thing. All oopsie, what did I just hit in this? I'm recording in a closet. Sorry, literally in a closet. Anyway. Oh, recording in a, in a wave. No, a wave in a closet. That's why I need the water. But I, anyway, so I go up and they have this camo thing that we're playing on in Camp Pendleton, Oceanside. And then all of a sudden I'm like, come on guys, we're gonna duck for cover. And we start rolling on the, like, like we're fighting, like just roll on the stage, like as though we're <laughs> shooting and stuff. And that's the only way that's what taught me to stand up and speak. And then the band broke up. So anyway. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> but but anyway, but it's weird how you have those things. So like for you going on, going on stage, but what's it like going in to record? And then record your own music and communicate with what you want in regards to like, okay. Cause that to me is also a very difficult thing. Uh, you know, under certain circumstances, I'd imagine it would be, but I've got uh, a home studio that I've built here and I've got it pretty well sound insulated. So I can come in here and make the worst sounds and know that no one will ever hear me. Right. And I do make lots of really awful sounds in the process of making good ones. Um, and I don't want anyone to hear that. You know, I am very self-conscious. Like, I, for example, my parents got me a violin many, many years ago, and I never learned to play it because I didn't want to. You know, you, you, when you when you start playing violin, it's going to sound awful. Right? Dude, that's harsh. It's just one of the worst sounds that somebody learns it is. violin. And I just didn't want anybody to have to suffer through that. You know, and I didn't want the embarrassment of people hearing that. And so I just sort of never got around to doing it. Um, just as an example of how how, how yeah. that kind of thing affects me. Here, uh, I feel utterly uh, at peace. Mm. And uh, there's there's nothing holding me back here. No one can ah, hear me. You know? I just hit record and let whatever comes out, come out. And it's, mm. 
I don't know, 60% shit. <laughs> and then I take the other 40% and I, you know, shave it. Yeah. Sculpt it. You know, that's like, it's so nice to not have to type on typewriters anymore. I don't know mm -hmm. what you guys, we used to call it Tipex and Southern Whiteout or whatever. We don't have to do that. And then everybody sees all these white splotches on all the pieces of paper that eventually become one sea of white, right. you know. Word processing. Yeah, yeah. So, but then, but but it made you really think to slow down, right? So isn't that changed in, in recording music too, that it's like digital photography, right. computer, you know, all of this stuff right. has changed. No, to that point, I have, uh, you know, I haven't really exercised the muscles I would need to, to be like a studio guy. Like you wouldn't call me and say, hey man, come record this album with us. Here are the charts. You know what I mean? Those guys need to be ready just like that and nail it on the first or second try. You know, I, I need a lot more time than that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I need to screw around and find stuff and, and that kind of thing. So, I mean, you do what, what works for you. I, my hat goes off to studio musicians who can just sit down and read the music and do it. I have to feel it. I have to like, I can't read music that I can, but unless you practice that, it's a hard, it's a hard, yeah, to me, there's still, there's going to be a jam quality. So with this album, you've got all these different people too playing with you, right? No. So got, just, well, uh, is it just Dave mostly? Dave is playing keyboards on one song. Okay. And then I've got Marco Miniman playing drums on three and Jonathan Mover playing drums on another three. And I'm playing everything else. Holy cow. Like, so when we called you a multi-instrumentalist, like it's seriously true. Yeah, this album is, you know, I've always wanted to at least release That's one cool. song where I play every instrument, you know, to pull a Lenny Kravitz, Kravitz, however you say it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's always just been a dream of mine and I managed to get two of the songs on this album where I'm, I'm doing it all and you know which ones are those the ones that are just yours like 100% Dangerous, dangerous and um, oh. Compromise ah, two that I picked out too huh interesting yeah. yeah then Compromise to me I love that I thought that was like listening to the album and, and the, the beginning because it's like the second track right and, and I'm going okay we're going to go flow and then, oh, wait, compromise. Now what you're going to do, Dangerous takes us right back through that loop. I think that's, it's a brilliant. That's great. Um, you, know? you like the way that it flows. I haven't actually talked to anybody about, you know, the, the, uh, the arrangements of the songs on the album. I haven't gotten really any feedback about that. So I'm glad that you- I, I'm weird about that because to me, I think we're in such a single driven world that people mm -hmm. just listen to whatever or- like, you know, I'll go in a grocery store and pick out a bottle of wine because of the label. And mm -hmm. I, I will, I don't care what, it, like, cost wise, like, if it's got a dog or a horse, I'm buying it. <laughs> Even if it's like two buck chuck, I don't care yeah. if it's like cheaper wine, but if it's got a dog or a horse, it's, it's on board, you know? Yeah. But um, I'm kind of that way musically. It's like the single thing, it's, it's, I get it, but it's, I want the experience. So that's how I listen. If I'm going in to listen to an album, which I do before everyone comes on and most of the time listen quite a few times, if it's not gelling that way, no. I mean, I listen before I'm like, okay, I'll listen through a few things and say, oh yeah, this is a good, you know, guest or, you know, for a show. But if it doesn't feel right and I can't listen through the whole thing, like if someone tries to interrupt me, 
while I'm listening to it. And I don't go like, shut up, leave me alone. Sorry, I, I do say that a bit, but I don't mean to be mean or rude. But like, if I don't get upset because I'm being interrupted, then that wasn't good enough to me, for me. No, listening you to know? a whole album in one go, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a different experience. And it's the way it should be, you know, well, should to me. Is a, it's, a, it's a funny word. I think it's, yeah. it's good in a lot of ways. To do it that way, that's how we grew up, right? Listening to whole albums, looking at the liner notes, and then they God, I miss out, that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, as we've talked about many times already, you know, life has changed. Um, uh, our generation, you know, it, or the new generation do doesn't really listen to, to to music in the same way. The mm. attention span is is you know, it isn't what it used to be uh, for a sort of reasons. And uh, I don't know if that's either good or bad, you know, good and bad or contextual. Anyway, it depends on the framework you're you're working from. Um, but the reality is, it's just what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's everyone's perspective of what they are at that time. Because you will identify with songs on an album that mean something to you for something, right? Yeah. And like Dangerous for You and, and you know, di different things. And to me, that... You'll, you will play that song when you want to just to hear that song for that reason, right? that memory. So mm -hmm. you're not going to listen to the whole album for that. But the whole album, is it's like reading a book. And I was talking about that with another musician the other day. I mean, the whole single industry is like saying, here's a chapter, but don't read the whole book. <laughs> you I know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to, to answer your question more directly, I would love it if people would experience the album as a whole, you know? Mm -hmm. If I could sort of write the script myself, yeah, I would have people sit down and you know, it's not a very long album. I think it's just over 30 minutes um, and just, you know, listen to the whole thing. Uh, as That's it, so funny that you even bring up the amount of time because we do our show that on our Spotify show. It's a new one, the, the, the Big Daily Blend. It's like we play music of who was what happening in history. Mm -hmm. When you go back to the older songs, the hits, oh, two, if it even got near to the three minutes, like, right. no, no. Right. You know, how we allowed music to, not allowed, but how the record labels eventually and, and radio stations had to allow musicians to start increasing the sound. I remember when we first started our podcast, I mean, years ago, musicians would go, oh, I know, don't play this for the radio because it's like six, seven minutes. I'm like, I already just want to play that now just for that entire reason. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't care if it's good or bad or what anybody thinks, but just because it's six or seven minutes, so let's play it. You know yeah. what I mean? So that just what you just said, though, it's like, oh, it's only 30 minutes. Yeah. That's interesting about its time investment. It is. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that said, I'm perfectly happy with anybody who just wants to listen to one of my songs. <laughs> Seriously. Well, it's a good album. And I'm glad, I'm glad, congratulations. So everyone, is it April 6th? What day is it? April 7th. Oh, April 7th, excuse me. Sure. Not April Fool's Day, but uh, you can <laughs> pre-order it now through thebandwagonusa.com. Just go forward slash collections, forward slash Matt dash Dorsey, or just go to mattdorseyofficial.com. That's the best place to go. Also go to Bandcamp as well. Um, I know that you're on there, so you can go to Matt Dorsey and the number one on Bandcamp. Bandcamp is cool for musicians. They really are. 
So yeah, for sure. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. It's been fun. Yeah, it was really nice to meet you. You too. You too. So have fun splashing out in that river. <laughs> you as well. <laughs> I know I've got a tidal wave coming on behind me. So like <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'll be all right. I'm sure you will. There's, there's no sharks. Oh.